welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. This is, it's nice to be here. We have a very nice crowd. We As do. I was walking in, there's a gentleman and this uh, young woman. Uh, they live on Springer Avenue. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. In, in, in Cincinnati. Cincinnati area. Yeah. And I said, but the Springer Avenue, uh, it's like in Hyde Park, isn't it? It's Around a nice there? area of town. Yeah. Yeah. But it's only, and I said, it's only three blocks. And you know what they said? No, it's only two. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. How come, you know... Shortest like, street in Cincinnati, Springer Street. Really? That's it? <laughs> and Jerry was mayor of Cincinnati. And, you would uh, think I'd get more than two blocks. More than that, yeah. 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 It's in a nice area. It's a very nice area. Hey, uh, a little bit later, we're going to ask Jerry to talk about the threat of the Donald Trump administration on our, our very democracy. And also, we have Michael Jonathan yeah. is going to be with us. <laughs> Now, quick introduction to Michael. My, you, you may know him through his show. He's a producer and the host of a show called the Wood, Wood Songs Old Time Radio Hour. He's out of Lexington, Kentucky. He's heard on almost 500 radio stations, and he's seen on a bunch of PBS television stations. So I see the show out of Lexington, Kentucky, and here in Cincinnati on WCET, a PBS affiliate. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a wonderful show. And he's an uh, excellent folk singer and an author. And uh, we're going to talk to him and hear some of his songs a little bit later on. Yeah. So the Super Bowl uh, happened. We're recording oh, this, this on week? February 6th. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to catch it this yeah, year. Yeah, Jesus. Well, I guess that's the point. Fan. You were... <laughs> Well, you know what? It's interesting you should raise that because last week Megan wasn't here and she was thinking, well, I go do that show. I'm gonna get but so yeah, we start the show. Week. We have three minutes to go. Let's tell the truth here. We yep. have three minutes to go. And I start to text Megan saying, uh, like, are you in the parking lot? Because Megan's <laughs> yeah. a quick the- study. <laughs> yeah. She walks in. She sits down. Yeah, they say, exactly. hey, we go and we do the show. Well, we first do the makeup. Of- <laughs> For the radio. Your makeup. <laughs> So no Megan. And wow. then, yeah. uh, so we're, we're lucky. We're here at the Folk School Coffee Parlor, Ludlow, Kentucky, this great hipster little yeah, coffee shop. We love this yep. place. And so one, one of the baristas is Maria Corelli, who is a folk singer and a songwriter. And so we just walked out in the other room and I said, hey, Maria, can you be she... Megan tonight? And she <laughs> yeah. goes, sure. yeah, sure. Yeah, she did a great job, she too. She sat down and yeah. she did it. So um, She's but, a little less expensive. Yeah. Is she? <laughs> <laughs> Do you care that little about us that you just said? Eh, <laughs> you know what I'm I'll not going to do tonight is yeah, you didn't even have a reason. You just fell asleep. Well, so here's the reason: I've been babysitting my nieces for a couple of days, oh, and they get to the no. Thing. This is the truth. Worry, yeah. I have no immunity at all whatsoever. So I've been sick Monday and Tuesday. Okay. And I took some like took Nyquil like Tuesday morning. I was like, all right, yeah. I'll fall asleep and I'll wake up. I didn't wake up until 8.30 on Tuesday night. <laughs> like, yeah. nothing. My boyfriend any... was calling. Everyone was like, are you all right? I mean, I, fe- I really did. I felt horrible. But 
I mean, out drool on the pillow. It was not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was not a pretty sight. You're, so yeah, you're not supposed to drool on the. I'm pillow. I'm not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till Sorry, you're Jeff. my age. Yeah, yeah it was. I not wear good. a snorkel to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, every week Mickey is a lucky lady. <laughs> oh, yeah, poor thing. Yeah. So catfish of the folk school coffee parlor told me you got here by three thirty this afternoon. I've been here you since noon. Really, <laughs> really make sure everything's going to be fine. Oh, well, we're happy to have you back. Yeah. No offense to Maria. Maria oh, was yeah, a yeah, wonderful yeah. film. No, I missed yeah. you guys. Uh, so anyway, so the Super Bowl happened. So we're recording this February sixth. Super Tuesday night. Uh, Super Bowl was on Sunday. Average people like me, and I suspect you, Megan. Mm-hmm. My best deal I get is I lay down on the couch. I got a bag of chips, probably, you know, the little one serving deal. And I watch the game. And I got to tell you, I am pretty sure Jerry Springer didn't watch the Super Bowl that way. Yeah, my What I imagine is he got on his jet Mm -hmm. and flew off to some city Mm -hmm. and sat with a bunch of people. I'll bet you this, and you tell us if this is accurate. Was Beyonce at your party? Yeah, was Beyonce there? The what? Oh, my he God. Had no, he had no who Beyonce is. Wow. <laughs> well, there were hey, a group of women over there in I the corner. I don't even know. Right? Yeah. Hey, here's, here's a question. Yeah. I want to ask a surgical yes. question uh, sur- yes. about the Super Bowl. Yes. I watched the Super Bowl from my home on a television that was sitting on, I guess you would call it a TV tray. I will bet that you watched the Super Bowl in somebody's house that had what they call these days a theater room. Yeah. With like theater seats. Is that true? That's what I imagine Well, happened. of course. Why, I hate you. How else would you watch? Hmm. <laughs> well, I was thinking. And, uh, but no, yeah, we uh, jetted over there. Yes. So really and, but I'll tell you, when we landed, it, it was crowded because, uh, uh, you know, there were a lot of private jets there. And you think it's the, easy? The struggles. We're, oh, man. <laughs> and then, of course, the limo took us to the home and... Um, my heart breaks for you every yeah. time I hear these stories. The Jerry. food was unbelievable. <laughs> Is that right? What did you have? Honestly, at your party? it was better than a bar mitzvah. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and I bet the you even left. And I bet and you left before. And the what's third also quarter. nice is they have people with trays that come as you're sitting in the most comfortable <laughs> theater seat. room. Hey Jerry, yeah. who won the Super Bowl? I don't know. Did they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the food was so There good. we go. There no, it is. No, <laughs> it was actually, it was, you know, our best friend, um, you know, had had the party, and it was just, it's amazing every year. But the football game was phenomenal. It was a good game it, this I, year. And I'm not a fan of either Philadelphia or the uh, of Patriots, nope. but it was a great Great yeah. football I don't know game. that they ever punted on either side. I don't, I don't think they ever did. Yeah. No, it yeah. was a good game. Because normally, no. and you can understand this, normally I leave a little bit early because I have to fly Mickey back to Sarasota yeah. and then fly up to Connecticut to be there in time for, for the, the show, show the next morning. Yeah. Did you, you know? not do that or you did Well, I did, do it, but, but that's why I usually leave a little bit early because otherwise I'm coming in at 2.33 in the morning. Right. Uh, where the limo picks me up and then takes me to the Rich Carlton. And anyway, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Hey, you did see Justin Timberlake perform, and what did you think of that? Um, I was a little underwhelmed. No, I mean, he's a great entertainer and all that, but it was not one of, just from my taste, one of my favorite, yeah. uh, you know, halftime shows. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was good, but it's, you know, I'm old school. I, I want a song where I know the words. See, I knew all the songs. And you and can it was, hear it. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. Well, Gosh, you're, I'm sounding like my parents. Can you turn yeah. that down? It's so loud. 
Wow. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> but at that the party, I today. was with everybody my age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. No, I thought it was that's a good. decent we halftime show. He was decent. It, it was good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not being critical of it, but, you know, some there have been years where you say, oh, wow. my word, isn't mm-hmm. that great? I loved Pink singing... Uh, I am so over The national pink. anthem. I got to tell you, she needs to stop yelling at me. All of her songs, she yells, hmm. I am tired of it. Oh, well, <laughs> get over it. I thought, I thought that was a great... She did do she a She did a job. great job. Uh, only did. Whitney Houston, when she sang it that year, which was right after 9-11. That, I thought, was the greatest ever. Wasn't it? No. Am I, I, I think I, I think so. Yeah, what I think it? it was right after... <clears throat> I mean, the first Super Bowl after 9-11... Um, she sang it, and that was like, and the whole country was emotionally involved in it anyway. But um, uh, I, I thought Pink did a great job. With yeah, that. no, she did. She did an excellent job with it for sure. You know, I she, the Eagles won actually. Well, we Pink was on the radio show that we all did. The mm-hmm. three of us yeah. did uh, on Air America. Some I had met her when she was her and Rihanna. <clears throat> they were both yeah, yeah, like. I mean, 25 years ago, we were we were doing this show in um, Cancun. Oh, yeah. And said, uh, you know, it was Springer Break. So yeah. cla- it was a it classy was called, affair. Springer Break. We did it for MTV. Another proud moment in your career. <laughs> yeah. In fact, no, I just remembered. That's where I met Beyonce. You she met was- Beyonce for real? Yes. <laughs> That's pretty big. That's Can you imagine picture. how excited she was? I'm sure. <laughs> She's looking at her no, going, and she this wasn't. Is. But back then, she was part of the... Destiny's th- Child. Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. And they were... I was hosting the show, and she was one of the acts. No kidding. Of the, wow. of the uh, Spring Break. Yeah, and she was a young spring teenager. Break. Yeah. The things you have brought to our society, sir. Yeah. It's yeah. truly remarkable. So sorry. <laughs> how... <laughs> How hot is hell? <laughs> You'll let us know when you get there. No, because I'm very light complexion, and I, I'm, I worry. I burn really. Spring easy. or break, give me. Oh my. Hey, you know, uh, speaking of sports, we talked about the Super Bowl. Uh, I just want to note something. Uh, the Cleveland Indians just the other day uh, decided and announced announced that they had decided to drop Chief Wahoo, this cartoonish mm-hmm. logo character, from their logo. They didn't drop the name, but they dropped this cartoonish logo. And that uh, stimulated a reaction, a renewed discussion in a suburban district in Cincinnati area, Forest Hill School District, which has a high school called the Anderson Redskins. Mm -hmm. My kids went to the uh, second high school in that district. They didn't go to Anderson, but they went to this other one called Turpin. Mm -hmm. And in 1999... A group of Native Americans came into Cincinnati, and uh, we found each other. I was a parent, so I had the standing of being a parent of kids in this district. They were outsiders with the American Indian Movement. And they went to the school board, and they asked that they drop the use of Redskins as a mascot. Yeah. And that caused, uh, I don't know, six months of discussions. And every school board meeting every month after that, They moved the school board meeting to the auditorium of the high school because so many people were coming on both sides. And it went round and round. And this is a conservative district. And you said this was in 1998? 1999. 99, okay. It's a conservative district that took the attitude of uh, nobody's going to tell us and threaten us with political correctness to do away with something that for us is a tradition. They made all these arguments of we mean to honor Native Americans with this name. 
I remember one of the strategies I used one night. This was really kind of risky. I had a friend of mine who was a teacher uh, go into the library of the high school, that high school, and I said, is there a big dictionary in there? There usually is in a school library. There was a big Webster dictionary on a big wooden pedestal. I said, open it up. I'm talking to him on, I, I guess, a cell phone. 99 probably had yeah. some you know, early, early. early cell, yeah. cell phones. And I said, look up the uh, dreaded N-word. He looked it up, and the word was spelled out, the M-word, and it had a definition. I said, now look up the R-word. He looked it up. Exact same definition, except you substitute native for African-American. Wow. So I went to the local, a local printer, and I had yeah. two big phone cores printed up, each with the word and the definition. Mm -hmm. Wrapped them in brown paper. Went to the school board meeting. My turn came to speak among the lineup of all these people. And I said, um, I didn't say anything. I just held the sign up. Yeah. Kind of like Norma Ray, mm -hmm. kind of rotated it around it's the room. usually what I think of when I think of Eugene. And, yeah. <laughs> and the audience, I don't know, 400 people gasped. Sure. They gasped. And um, made the simple point, you would never, ever name a mascot after this word. And you couldn't get by with saying, well, we mean to honor the... Brave slaves. Well, even use the same word. In other words, imagine, let's say, there's a high school, and most of the kids in the high school were African-American. You wouldn't say, you know, the Withrow Blacks. No, you wouldn't even do that. Blackskins, the Withrow Blackskins or Brownskins. No. Nope. You just, you know you wouldn't do it. Yeah. And, and the part, and, and hats off to you, because honestly, you were the first one, and this was years ago, that you brought this shit issue up, and honestly, I'd never even thought about it, mm -hmm. and, and you brought it up in, here in Cincinnati area, you were one of the first to really make an issue out of it. But the thing that comes, why is it, why don't we just change it? In other words, if you're offending people, then, so you gotta change your cheer? I mean, why is it okay? Why does anyone think it's okay to, disparagingly, even if you don't mean it to be bad, if it hurts people, then fine. I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt you. I mean, how often in a private conversation you have with someone, if you say something that they're a little offended by, you say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't My mean to say it, yeah. and you don't say that kind of thing again. Well, that's and so I'm logical. I'm so tired of this word, political correctness. It's yeah. just being polite. It's being decent. It's being nice. Why and do we call it political correctness? If you have a name and it's offensive to someone, use a different name. It doesn't change your life. It's a sports team. It's a sports team. Yeah, well, you try to get this argument in Washington. Yeah. The, it's with, the same deal. The football it's true. Washington sure. and Redskins, the same deal. Oh, sure. don't and, ever change it. And, I'm saying and it's, it's exactly the same. And, uh, and by the way, but the R word and the M word are parallel words. Mm. So you could say black skins, but this is like red skins yeah. and the N-word. And the two definitions, of course, I held yeah. them up side by side. Yeah. Look, and it's in your school library. Yeah. Yep. The children go in and they can look up these words. They got to leave saying, how dare we do this? Right. What keeps it from happening is, uh, well, in this case, conservative people, they will not have anybody tell them what to do. And therefore they, by the way, last point on this. There's a woman, she st I talked to her the other night, she still lives there. She raised two children in this district, and she, in 1999, had a baby 
in her arms and she says, I got to go home. She, on one of these six meetings, she said, would you read my speech? I got to go home with my baby. And I said, yeah, I'll read it. And I read it and her speech was her name, the street I live on. And I'm a full blood Ojibwe from Red Lake, Minnesota. I was raised in, on the reservation. I went to, uh, you know, went to schools on the reservation and I live in this neighborhood. My kids are going to this school. I will tell my children this is a disparaging word. What am I going to tell my kids when they're in this high school? Mm-hmm. So there was even a person, we only needed yeah. one, who lives there who said, don't do this to me and my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the end of this is, it's 2018. I'm hoping like hell from 99 to 2018, we've gone long enough where they finally change it. Yeah, but for a significant part of the country, we're going back in the wrong direction. I yeah. mean, you're right. I'd, I'd like to think that's ultimately where we're going to end up. Yep. But there is such a ugly yeah. feeling going on among a bunch well, of people that we'll try see. to send our country in the wrong direction. Hey, one, one more thing about sports, and then we're going to ask mm. you to talk a little bit about the Trump administration, as we often do, because there's always so much to talk about. Um, there, we're, so we're in the Cincinnati area as we do this podcast. We're just across the Ohio River. And um, there is uh, a team, it happens to be that school where I got two degrees and also taught there, Xavier University. Xavier University Musketeers are number five in the country. And they're recognized now as a college. (laughs) Yeah, You know, Springer. (laughs) Here's the question. And Megan, I know you'll support me on this. It seems like the fair thing to do. A lot of people are saying Xavier will be a Final Four team. Now, you got to get there. Sure. But they're the kind of team you talk about they could do it. If they make the Final Four, Jerry Springer. Yes. Would you go with me, San Antonio is where it is, and let's go see the Final Four? Yeah, I'll meet you there. (laughs) (laughs) I have never, Megan, ever flown on this jet. I've been hearing about this jet for like 30 years. I'm trying to find a way to go somewhere <laughs> to where he way, says, yeah, come on, sure, jump on. Sure, not going to yeah. happen. It never happened. It's never <laughs> happened. It's always, I'll meet you there. Well, we do have some standards. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, if they're in the final four, <clears throat> yeah. we'll go. That'd be cool. That would be great. We'll I go. heard it. You, right. you heard it here, folks. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, Marcus will buy the tickets. He did not say on the yeah, check. He just said we would go. <laughs> and we'll bring the tech team. said Louis will buy the tickets. Yeah, he said, and, and Louis, our mutual friend who's like, I mean, he really has some dough. I mean, you got some dough, but he's like really got yeah, some yeah. dough. He's got dough, dough. <laughs> dough, dough, <laughs> dough, dough. Uh, hey. Um, I'm a dough, dough. You are. <laughs> yeah. Which is now extinct. <clears throat> Let me ask you this, Jerry. A fun fact to wait. Yes. Can our democracy, we like to think of our democracy as being strong. It's been around for many years, obviously. Can it withstand the tactics and the philosophies of Donald Trump and his administration? Um, I think so. And just being optimistic and because so far in American history, we've managed to survive any movement towards authoritarian rule or dictatorships, and we've had some threats before. We managed to survive it, so you kind of think we all grow up here believing this is America. You know, we're not going to have a dictatorship. Get real. Well, 
there's some things to consider and to be on the lookout for and to be very vigilant about. We used to think growing up that, you know, if there's going to suddenly be a democracy falling to a dictatorship, it comes at the end of a gun, that there's a coup. Some people with guns storm the palace, storm the capital, storm whatever, and they physically take over the government, take over their radio and TV stations and whatever. And it's literally a takeover by force. And we think, this is America, no one's going to be able to do that. And that is probably true. No one militarily is going to be able to move in here just with weapons and take us over. I think that is a scenario that really defies belief. I know anything can happen, but I, I don't lose sleep on that theory. However, starting clearly in the 20th century, we have seen whenever there is a move from a democracy to dictatorship, it doesn't happen at the point of a gun. It happens within the country itself. There, the government is kind of in trouble. Maybe the economy's bad. People are, there's a lot of unrest. And all of a sudden, in some part of the country, there is a charismatic leader, an extremist, who is very charismatic and isn't part of the establishment, isn't part of whatever the government is. And just because that person is so charismatic and doesn't have to worry about how to really do things, can just start yelling out, we can do it better, follow me, Sig Heil. Well, I say Sig Heil, but that's exactly how Hitler came to power. It's how Mussolini came to power. In more recent times, it's how Chavez in South America came to power. They first come in totally legally. You see, you have a a government in power, but they are weak. And all of a sudden, they see this charismatic leader who's gaining support. And they don't want a civil war, and they're worried about this guy, so they co-opt him. They bring this guy into the government becomes an elected representative with some members of parliament or some members of whatever the legislative body is. So they are invited to be part of the government. In fact, Hitler was even invited then ultimately to become the chancellor of Germany. So he was elected. He came in in a democracy. And once they come in, then what they do is they start chipping away. There are chipping away at democracy. So what happens is there are several signs of chipping away at the democracy because they want to take over the government. So they start rejecting democratic rules. They threaten not to accept the results of the next election. They interfere with voting. They deny the legitimacy suddenly of their opponents. Maybe they'll jail their opponents. This is what authoritarian leaders start to do. They'll say that person committed a crime and that person gets to be jailed. They have a tacit endorsement of, uh, a tacit endorsement of violence. 
Uh, maybe it's at rallies. Maybe it's, you know, with, with uh, Hitler, it was the putsch um, of the beer hall. And, and, and they kind of, they, they say they're not, they're not in favor of it, but it just happened. And then when there is some violence or there is some racist stuff going on, they kind of condone it in code language. And then they start curtailing civil liberties. They suggest maybe we should have some libel laws. If there are newspapers saying bad things about the government leader or the new authoritarian leader, we have to change the laws, and that editor of the newspaper has to be jailed. Maybe they'll start even saying fake news, undercutting those institutions which can keep a democracy going. So now, even if the newspaper comes out and reveals horrible stuff that this dictator is doing or this authoritarian figure is doing, a major portion of the public doesn't get upset because the leader says it's fake news. It's not real. So it doesn't matter anymore that report is going to find out what you did. It's fake. And then they start undercutting the courts. They won't listen to court decisions. They may not even listen to subpoenas. And you start to look at all of these steps that every dictator goes through. First gets into power, first gets into the government, then starts taking over, then starts eliminating civil liberties. And every one of the examples I gave you so far... So far, Trump has done. Every single, every one I mentioned, you can identify. Yeah, I remember when he did that. I remember when they had the march in Charlottesville and he kind of condoned that kind of uh, violence and said, well, you know, there were some good people among the Nazis. And it's fake news. And the courts, they had a Mexican judge. You can't believe these liberal judges, I, you know. All of this stuff starts to undercut the institutions. Having said that, we then sit back afterwards and say, yeah, it's true, Trump has done all that stuff, but we have institutions in our country that can stop that. We have, for example, in the Constitution, with our founding fathers, they had checks and balances. So, a president didn't have all the power because you had the Congress that passed the legislation. And the president had a little power over the Congress because he or she could veto. And then they could override the veto. And then if there was something passed that's unconstitutional, oh, you have the courts. And the courts can say that what Congress did is unconstitutional, what the president is doing is unconstitutional. But then the court is not totally supreme. There's a balance on the court because the president gets to nominate someone and the Senate gets to confirm it. In other words, all three branches of government have a little bit of say over the other one, so therefore these checks and balances prohibit a dictatorship from forming. They were afraid of having a king. Here's the problem. When the founding fathers drew up the Constitution, they didn't yet have political parties. The political parties didn't come until 1800, so they didn't know what power the political parties would have. So all these institutions that the founding fathers set up to protect us from a dictator now get to be manned or womaned by a political party, people from one party or the other. So we never thought about that. 
The few times in American history where there was suddenly a charismatic or authoritarian leader that might have gone too far, it could have been Huey Long, who ultimately was assassinated. It could have been Joe McCarthy. It could have been George Wallace. Each of these people were kind of scary to the idea of democracy, but they never got too far because if you think about it, it was political parties that stopped them. FDR stopped Huey Long from getting too far. That was before the assassination. The Republican Party, in fairness, stopped Joe McCarthy from getting too far. And the Democratic Party, with the passage of the Civil Rights Bill in 1965, stopped George Wallace within the party from getting too far. The political parties, in a sense, have kept us from having presidential candidates that are too extreme. With all the theory about, oh, the bosses and the backroom politics, cigar smoking and conventions, the one thing that the political parties were able to do that our institutions couldn't do is the political parties could wean out those people that were too extreme. They didn't do it because they were wonderful people. Frankly, they did it because they wanted to win the national election. And if you're too extreme, you probably won't win the election. So both parties tended to put people in that were somewhere in the middle. So what's different now with Trump? Because even with Nixon, we had the Republican Party suddenly stand up and say, Mr. President, you got to resign because you're going to get thrown out of office by the Senate. You don't have the votes. What is different with Trump? What is different with Trump is that what wasn't considered in the Constitution, not only did they not know that they'd have political parties, but we didn't know that every institution of government is controlled by the same party. That's the first thing. The second thing is not only are the Republicans in control of every branch of our government, but political parties are now, they've been emasculated. They've been emasculated in part because of social media, in part because of television, and in part because of Citizens United. It is now possible without political parties to gain as much power as you want with money coming from you don't even know where, and they can win the primaries Moneyed interests, whatever they're in favor of, can suddenly put enough money behind a candidate they want, can be as extreme as one, and there's nothing to stop that person from getting enough votes in a primary to become the candidate and then win the election. And in fairness, Barack Obama never would have been elected president if we didn't have cell phones. Barack Obama was not the choice of the leadership of the Democratic Party when he first became a candidate in uh, 2007. But he was able to raise money and organize his through social media and telephones, etc. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, he was unbeatable. We got a good guy that time. But that same power, and now with the decision of Citizens United, the money can come from just a few people. They can pick whoever they want. So Trump survives. And where is the political party to stop him? It's the first time in our history we don't have something in our society, in our government, that can stop these steps towards authoritarian rule.
And I'm not talking about camps. Nothing compares to Hitler, okay? I'm not talking about concentration camps. I'm talking about an authoritarian government that takes away your civil liberties and will make the decisions about what this country will do and whether or not you get to be okay because of the color of your skin or the way you pray to God. That is where we are now. The only way we are going to be saved is by some people in the Republican Party, because they're in control, having enough of a conscience to say, if Trump keeps going too far, that they will stand up and say enough. In fairness, the Democratic Party did that. In 1965, when the Democratic Party, remember, they had the solid South. One of the things that kept the Democratic Party in control all those years, to be honest, was the racist Democratic Party in the South. Everybody voted Democrat because that was the party that was against Lincoln. And there was a hundred years of that. And in 1965, Lyndon Johnson, they passed the Civil Rights Act when Johnson famously said on the day that it passed, for the next generation, we've lost the South, which is true. And after that election, the South always voted Republican, very few exceptions. So the Democrats did it at a time that we needed them to do it. The Republicans now have to do it. They have to do it now. The Republican Party, because the Democrats can't do it. There's no way we're going to have two-thirds of the Senate to throw Trump out of office if they turn out to be serious crimes. We already know there's some crimes, but even more. So it has to be the Republicans. And I don't have a quick fix how to do that other than Democrats reaching out to moderate Republicans and maybe compromising some of our issues. If we can get enough moderates in both parties together to bring about the end of the Trump presidency. Thank you, Jerry. And as Jean had mentioned earlier in the show, tonight we have with us Michael Jonathan. Welcome, Michael. It's nice to be here. Thank you. (laughs) And as Jean mentioned, he um, has formed a group, Song Farmers, around the world. Tell us a little bit about Song Farmers. You know, uh, it branched off the uh, Wood Songs broadcast. Um, There's a Slavic saying, uh, after listening to uh, Jerry and uh, some of the thoughts that he had, uh, first of all, uh, uh, after hearing that, I'm, I'm really glad I'm not a Republican. The, uh, <laughs> You'd be in handcuffs here. <laughs> it would be frightening. Yeah. The, uh, but there was a Slavic saying a few hundred years ago that if everybody in the whole world simply took care of their own homes, you wouldn't have to worry about the world anymore. And in the 60s, they made that a bumper sticker, think globally, act locally. And, and it, the whole idea of song farmers is in the decline of the music business when there are so many wonderful, passionate, brilliant artists that will never make a living with their music. It's time to be honest with those artists. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the day job. But uh, in, in this world full of, of brilliant musicians and songwriters and artists, what can they do with that passion and with that spirit? And so uh, branching off the Wood Songs broadcast, I created the Song Farmer Movement. And this is uh, any artist, dreamer, poet, songwriter 
that wants to use their art and music to make their lives, their families, their homes, their communities better. And we give them a, a direction and a course. And right now there's um, 41 of these song farmer chapters. They have local gatherings of just big old song circles. And what they're finding is that uh, at, at some of these chapters, hundreds of people will come just to listen to the song circle. America is starved for community right now. It's starved for calmness. It's starved for love. And I think that love is the greatest transaction of the arts still. And so the Song Farmer movement helps um, artists to show this musical love in their hometowns, and it works. That's very cool. cool. We're very interested to hear what you have prepared for us this evening. What's the first song that you'll be sharing with us? You know, again, I was thinking of of, uh, a lot of what Jerry was saying and the idea that we have to take care of our homes. And uh, in in what Jerry was talking about, uh, the the push and pull of a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. And, and guns are part of that issue. My, my dad died before I was born. He was a detective. He was very much a hunter and someone about guns and stuff like that. I am not. I am his son, but I am not like that. I don't think in those terms. And so this song is my, my feelings about guns. You can have them, just don't point it at me. Don't point your 
that gun Cause that ain't the peace that causes peace Put down your gun Yeah, it was, that was fantastic. I like that song a lot. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your Wood Songs Radio Hour. I'm somewhat familiar with it. I know Gene is, and a lot of our listeners are. It is the, uh, it is the only all-volunteer-run, fully syndicated, multi-format broadcast uh, in North America. Uh, I don't get anything for doing it. Is a 36-member crew that works for free. The engineers, the wow. TV directors. Say that again. They all work for free. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Uh, the crew works for free. The artists that come on the show uh, don't get paid a penny. Uh, Roger McGuinn did our 900th broadcast. Wow. We just had uh, Bela Fleck and Abigail Washburn last night. We had Leroy Parnell and Samantha Fish. It is a it is it is a multimedia front porch. It is a celebration of just art yeah just the art of making music and songwriters and it, it's airing right now on 517 uh, radio stations from wow. australia to dublin ireland it's on american forces radio network which puts the show on the radio on two channels in 173 nations from south korea to kuwait it's in every single military base in the world u.s naval ship in the world coast guard vessels sailing in north america it's on about 96 million homes on uh, public television it's on the rfd television network now on Friday evenings. Um, uh, hotels put the artists up for free. Restaurants feed them for free. That's so it, cool. The theater is free. The city donates the, uh, wow. the theater. And, and now you know why folk rhymes with broke. <laughs> <laughs> so if people would like to check out more about you, more about this movement, you, we can go to songfarmers.org. Is there another website we can direct folks to? Yeah, you can go to woodsongs.com woodsongs. and uh, find out more about the broadcast, songfarmers.org, about the uh, song farmer movement and how we're trying to uh, redirect the changes of the music world in a way that helps actual artists in a real way. Love it. Love it, love great. it. This is great. Yeah, Thank it's you. very cool. Again, Michael, Jonathan, and what else, what else will you be singing for us this evening, sir? Well, um, I could do a song about the front porch if you want. Mm. Love it. Thank you. The song takes the idea of the front porch three ways, the literal way, the the one that uh, Derry sits on in the evenings with his iced tea while <laughs> thinking about taking his Learjets to uh, big games and oh, stuff. Oh, you don't like have that. one? Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no, I don't, Jerry. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> I have a little Toyota Scion, and yeah. we drive around <laughs> all over what the What a place. loser. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but I'm saving the environment. Yes. So... <clears throat> oh! <laughs> Michael, you come back so. whenever you want. <laughs> oh, man, that so. went in cleanly. Yeah. Oh. Don't challenge me, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You, a, sir, you come back whenever you that's choose. Right. Thank you very much. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. There, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a definite um, uh, lack of monetary grandeur in the folk world, which I really don't care about because I believe that, that the work is more important mm -hmm. than anything else. And, and I try to try to focus on the work and doing good things with it. And today, uh, that's, that is the equivalent of a hit record. If you can do good work with your music, if you do good things in your community, if you make your music important by what you do with it, 
Mm-hmm. It is more important because the hit record comes and goes and it's gone. Sure. And and there's a lot of bankrupt former exes, wish I wases, and people who do good work with their music are, are those that that actually make an impact. That their life, their music matters. So here's a song that is about that theory. Um, it's about the literal front porch. It's about the emotional front porch when you find the love of your life. And it's about something that, again, what, referring to what Jerry was talking about before, something that we need very, very much right now, and that's a front porch around the world between nations. There's a front porch around the old home place All my troubles seem to disappear without a trace And children play all summer long The world feels right like nothing's wrong And fireflies dance on a starry night Around the old front porch tonight Around the old front porch tonight and There's a front porch round my true love's eyes I could sit and watch that girl all my life And in her eyes this world feels right And she's a gentle and a peaceful sight And since the day that girl became Found a front porch around my life. I found a front porch around my life. We need a front porch around the world. We need a front porch round America We gotta slow it down and learn to set a spell Start serving lemonade instead of hell I wish these leaders would outlaw fear I wish they'd lead from a We need a front porch round the world. We need a front porch round the world. We need a front porch round this world.
does it get? Again, you've been listening to Michael Jonathan. You can check him out at um, songfarmers.org, and you can also listen to him on Wood Songs Radio Hour. That's so, as good as it gets. That is. That is fantastic. Still not riding on my plane, but good. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I'll Pete's Jerry. Yeah, just, just a gem. Just, Truly just a gem. It would be an honor to be in your plane someday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't encourage it. Don't encourage it. Well, if we would, would you take us out this evening on Down by the Riverside and allow sure. one Mr. Springer to jump in there with oh, you? <laughs> well... Um, the, you, we can do it the old-timey uh, upbeat way, or we can do it the uh, Pete Seeger way. So you You're going to give him a choice? I, I am so flexible. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been in all the papers. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. So I'm going to do this on a. I'm going to do this on the uh, on the banjo, if that's all right. Perfect. Oh, yeah. You know what you call a beautiful woman on the arms of a banjo player? A tattoo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let it sink uh, in. Bum, bum. Let it dwell. Uh, hey, right. <laughs> Boy, I'm steal that. <laughs> Is that a good beat for you? Yep. Lay down my heavy load. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.